Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Brian Dainsburg Podcast, Christian Living in a Complicated World. I'm your host, uh, Brian Dainsburg, lead pastor of Alliance Bible Church, located in beautiful southeast Wisconsin. And I have with me a guest. Uh, pastor Dwayne Somersell is an associate pastor serving with me at uh, Alliance Bible Church in Glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be here. Uh, before we get into the meat of this, uh, tell us a little about yourself, family, where yep. you're from. Yep. yep. So I was born in Trinidad, and I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. The island of Trinidad. The island of Trinidad, yep. <laughs> That's the Caribbean, right? That is. That okay. is. Yep. Yep. You've been I, back or no? Not yet. No. One day, hopefully. It's on the list? <laughs> yep. Yep. It's on the list. In January or February. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, when it's cold over here, right? <laughs> But yeah, then I moved to Brooklyn, New York, and that's why I grew up with my mm. family. So I have a one sister, and I got married five years ago to my wife, Mariah, and we have three little kids. And their ages? Jeremiah is four, Josiah is two and a half, and Aliyah is one. So you got a busy house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you been fun. A, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I'm glad you're with us today. We are talking about the topic of racism. Racism. Now, uh, Dwayne, when we talk about racism, first of all, uh, do you like the label mm -hmm. racism? Mm -hmm. um, do you like it? Would you prefer to use something else? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it, as pastors, we we teach in the church. Mm -hmm. we, we, we're responsible for a group of people. Right. How do we want, what, what language do we want them to use? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good question. And I, I understand what people mean by the word. Uh, the word itself, though, seems to imply that there are many races. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's better to use, when it talks about races, to talk about ethnicity or someone's background, nationality. But if you look at Acts 17, uh, where Paul is, is speaking there, he says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. So this shows that we all come from adam so really there's actually only one race right namely the human race so when talking about racism the the biblical word to use would be partiality so give some definition to that mm -hmm. um when we're talking about partiality mm -hmm. um how are we to understand because it's in in the Bible, it's a pretty pregnant mm -hmm. term. Yep. There's there's a lot that's packed into it. Right. What? Um, how how do we think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, really, it's just partiality. Just means playing favorites, right? It's it's specifically towards a sp specific person or a group of people based on their appearance or status. It's so it's something external. It's elevating oneself or another person or a group of people above another it's a and a clear place to see this is actually in in james chapter 2 james actually says that we're not to show partiality uh, he, in fact he actually calls it a straight up sin it's it's breaking the law of god and so he uses an, an, il an illustration there uh, uh, about two men coming into your church uh, one rich and one poor and James says, if you give special treatment to the to the rich man uh, by giving him a seat of honor, 
and then you tell the poor man to go sit somewhere else or go sit on the floor, sit by your feet, you're making distinctions, you said specifically in your heart, and you're becoming judges with evil thoughts. So it's really, it's judging someone based on how they look, making, assumpt making assumptions, and it's sinful, and it's, and it's against God. And what's interesting is actually several times throughout the scripture, you see this refrain about God, that with God, there is no partiality. God doesn't play favorites. Hmm. Do you think, because um, you know, some people will say unequal outcomes automatically uh, indicate the presence of some ism mm -hmm. or partiality is is intent or motivation packaged up inside the biblical concept of partiality yeah i mean i mean paul i mean james is really speaking to the heart there right he talks about being judges with evil thoughts mm -hmm. so it actually starts it's internal yeah it's not something that's just merely external it shows itself externally yeah. But it actually starts from the heart, yeah. motives of the heart, which are which are hard for humans to see. Yeah, which are hard for hum humans to kind of kind of. Phone's read. going off. Hold on. <laughs> so, so obviously, the conversation with racism has become a societal one. Mm -hmm. uh, with society at large, even the world at large is talking often about the the language of of uh, racism not to practice it the, the question i have is um to whom is this strong command not to practice partiality directed mm -hmm. yeah you know is 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 this a call that goes out to the entire world not to be doing this or is it more specific mm-hmm yeah, so it's what's what's really interesting is that James in the uh, in the beginning of chapter two he addresses my brothers, mm -hmm. and then in verse five he says my beloved brothers. So he's he's speaking to Christians here. He's he's speaking to the church that because they have a new heart now because they're united to Christ, they're called to live accordingly. Right, the Christian is expected to obey, obey because. And now, in fact, they are free to obey because now they're no longer enslaved to, to sin anymore. Now they're enslaved to righteousness, right? And the call for the non-Christian is actually to put their, put their trust and hope in Jesus. So it's pretty specific. And, and we would say, really, the Bible is. It doesn't have a lot to say in terms of ethics to non-Christian people. Yeah, I think there's like implications for like, when we are uh, reading stuff about the how God uses the the governing authorities to execute His justice, like mm -hmm. so, there's Im implication that right the government should government should rule in a way that's uh, that's in accordance with with God. But yeah, commands in Scripture are directed towards Christians. Um, we we heard this this. Uh this label of racial reconciliation a lot uh, over the past few years. What, what is, what's your understanding of what's first of all meant by that? Yeah. So I think what's meant by that is an idea of uh, various ethnicities or they would say races 
can be able to reconcile with one another, that there can be unity, equality amongst various ethnicities uh, throughout America and throughout the world. Is that, is that possible among non-Christian people? I think true reconciliation is only possible through Christ and in Christ alone. And so when you look at Ephesians, it really helps us with this. Mm -hmm. This is a passage that's, that's very clear. And, and throughout the scripture, you see two categories. You have Jews and you have the Greeks or Gentiles. And so these are people who are not Jewish, ethnically speaking. And all the other nations already are actually categorized under this in regards to Greeks and Gentile. And in the Old Testament, you see that the, the nation of Israel, they were considered God's people, but not every individual Jew was a child of God. And so the purpose of the nation was to birth the Messiah, the promised one, Jesus. And so the Gentiles actually were far away from God. They were the ones who were against God. And Ephesians 2 tells us about that. They, they were separated from Christ. They were alienated from Israel. They were without hope and without God. But right, this is what Christ has done. We who were far away from God have been brought near by his blood. But notice that the passage speaks about first reconciliation to God. <laughs> hmm. that's, the, that's the thing. We were enemies of God. But Christ, by his blood, has reconciled us to, to, to God. And so now that broken relationship is now restored because Jesus himself is our peace. So it's, it's really difficult to, to use the language of reconciliation without talking about God. Correct. Right. You can't extricate. Right. God, when you're starting to talk, use the language of of reconciliation, it has sure. to start there, right? Yeah, and, and what's interesting, right? The the implication for the Jew and Gentile, what does it now mean for them? Is that right? Christ has now broken down the wall of hostility. The tension between the two has been destroyed because of the work of Christ, and Christ has created one new man in Himself. Both have access to the Father. Both are fellow citizens and members of the same household. One new temple one new family. And so the implication is that in the local church, you have people from various backgrounds, ethnicities, nationalities, who love each other and value each other because we are united to Jesus and to one another. And now because of that, there's no hostility, but rather peace and grace. And actually the call for the, for the non-Christian in this is actually found in 2 Corinthians 5.20, which is be reconciled to God. True reconciliation is only possible through Jesus Christ. So, what what the world is really longing for when they talk about racial reconciliation ought to be exemplified in the church, correct? And found in the church, correct? It, correct. It, that, that is ground zero, yes, for what is called today racial reconciliation, correct? Yep. And it's really going to be difficult to accomplish that outside of right. I mean, the Bible doesn't really create a lot of space for that kind of unity across ethnic racial mm -hmm, lines mm -hmm. to be accomplished apart from the work of Christ. Right. Correct. Uh, here's another term, systemic racism, mm -hmm. systemic injustice. Um, again, from what is, what is your understanding of what's meant by that? Yeah. Yeah, so from my understanding, it seems that it desires to show that racism, injustice, discrimination is embedded in the very fabric of society uh, through systems. Uh, you usually see these uh, through various laws. It's centered on racial injustice, 
Uh, it's seen in places as the government, uh, criminal justice, or or even housing. And one of the things that it seems to to show or highlight is that racism is is everywhere, uh, just by mere appearance. Uh, related to this is that there's a categorization of racism towards minorities by whites, which is actually, uh, in my understanding, which would be the ex- expected and actually or the norm. However, James points out is that if you show partiality, you have committed sin. And he doesn't specify an ethnicity there. So really, anyone can be racist. The human heart is sinful and needs to be changed. And actually, racism can be forgiven at the cross and is paid for at the cross. What um, the, the biblical category then that because I've heard some Christian thinkers um, process this systemic nature of it through biblical categories. Um, is it one? Is it a biblical category, at least the way we hear it used and defined today? Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to kind of diminish the the human heart on an individual level, right? So there could be one person who is racist and if there was an experience with that one person, then there could be then a generalization then that all people who are like this are racist. Mm-hmm. And but I think that's actually unfair to to say that because then really then that's actually being kind of racist or making a generalization there based on someone's profession, whether it's a police officer or their the color of their skin. When, so when James is talking about partiality, he's he's rooting it in some kind of specific individualized behavior, correct? Not an, an impersonal force or mm-hmm. right. atmosphere right. or invite. It's it's there, there's a human behavioral correct. element, right? So racism is not based on someone's skin color; it's based on their their heart. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what James talks about: evil thoughts. It's internal. Yeah. Now, take a step back here, uh, Dwayne, and uh, you know, evaluate the status of the conversations, debates surrounding racism in America today. I just wonder how, how you see it, how you're mm-hmm. processing it, how you have processed mm-hmm. it. Uh, it. It's a huge, huge uh, arena mm-hmm. of conversation right now. Right. What, um, what, what are you thinking? What observations are you making? Yeah, I think it's it's actually kind of sad to see the division that has been taking place, especially in regards to to local churches, right? Paul says that in Ephesians 3 that it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is is made known and it's God who's using his church to bring about the gospel to the nations. Uh, but sometimes we're we're talking past one another, you know, James talks about how we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And there seems to be a lack of that. There's sometimes quick judgmental calls, even on someone's profession of faith, based on what they believe or don't believe. And we forget Ephesians 2, right? That Christ has, in fact, already broken down the walls, the wall of hostility, and that we're one in Christ. That those, even in our, our local church, these are my brothers and sisters. They're my family, and I, I love them. And my identity... And their identity is not in, in in our ethnicity, not in any social status or anything, 
but it is in, in Christ and Christ alone. And so the local church is made up of baptized believers with a wide variety of backgrounds, nationalities. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, right? The mm-hmm. promise that was made to Abraham that he will be a blessing to many nations is, is realized in Christ. Uh, Jesus and his body and the body of Christ is the church and it's, and it's, it's diverse. And so what I can do is I can rest knowing that, that Christ is going to continue to build his church, even in the midst of this. What, so if, if, if a Christian in your church would come up to you and say, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling through this topic. I'm really struggling to, to sort out all the complexities of it. What, 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 what practical guidance would you give them? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would definitely want to know a little bit more about what they're, what they're struggling with. And really just point them to uh, probably two major passages that I mentioned today. Ephesians 2, the reality that Christ has already broken down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And so that we're one in Christ. And then emphasize that partiality is is still a sin. And Christians can still struggle with that. Christians can still be racist or show partiality. And the call is to to repent uh, to turn to Christ, to trust him, and actually then uh, rest in the pardon of, of their sins, that it actually has been paid for. The blood of Christ is what cleanses them from their sin. And then to go back to the reality that at the cross, there's level ground, right? Yeah. Uh, we all we all need Christ. We all need grace. There's a, there's a tremendous hope and mm-hmm. an optimism in the gospel message as it interfaces with this topic that yes. you don't often get fed when you go to other sources of explanation or calls to action. Right. Yeah. The gospel really does offer hope. It does. For us. Yeah. In the midst of these complicated and uh and sometimes intense conversations. Yeah. I mean that's why we, that's why we need Christ, right? Because yeah. our hearts are are prone to judge people, to elevate ourselves above one another, but our hope and our securities in Christ, and that cannot be changed. Pastor Dwayne, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm just going to put a punctuation mark on this uh, this podcast, which is really the the third part. It's related to the first two that that I've done. We'll put a put a punctuation mark on this to summarize some some things for us. First of all, uh, what 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 Pastor Dwayne's talking about with partiality is an important one for us to grasp. Partiality based on skin color or socioeconomic status or gender or intellectual or physical ability is a real sin. And, and to deny that is to disregard the clear teaching of Scripture. And we, we have to acknowledge that. Now, we, we've got some study to do. We've got some work to do on what, what qualifies as partiality and what doesn't. But it's real, and we need to acknowledge that. Kind of as a parenthetical to that point, you know, it's it's important to say that that for Christians to want societal harmony across backgrounds and skin colors, that doesn't make you a subscriber to critical theory. Wanting peace in fiery settings with a historic. Uh, a history of of ethnic tension does not make you woke. Praying for greater diversity in your church through the saving of fellow sinners does not make you woke. Partiality based on various backgrounds and attributes is a real sin. To want to see that eradicated does not make you a subscriber to, to critical theory. 
Second, the biblical concept of partiality does include motivation and intent. And Duane was drawing that out. Outcomes alone are not enough to determine the presence of partiality. Intent and motivation has to be considered. Third, every human being battles the sin of partiality. Every human being battles the sin of partiality, regardless of skin color, socioeconomic status, gender. Every human being battles the sin of partiality. Just to, to say that partiality is a problem for one group of people, but not another, again, disregards the clear teaching of scripture. Fourth, wokeness or critical theory isn't our only option in addressing issues of partiality. In fact, it's not even a good option, as I think you've figured out by now, because you can't embrace an unchristian worldview and end up a Christian disciple. Now, related to this, somehow we, we, have, to get, we have to get free of this binary way of thinking. Just because I believe partiality based on skin color is real and sinful does not mean I subscribe to critical theory. Just because I reject critical theory as an unbiblical ideology doesn't mean I'm guilty of partiality. I, I think one of the reasons for the extreme polarization we're seeing in our country today is a vapid deficiency in the ability to see nuance. We're really struggling today. And this is true inside the church as, as much as it is outside the church. We're struggling to see nuance. We've got to be better thinkers. Fifth, um, the Bible doesn't make, on the whole, the moral demands of lost people. Uh, in my preaching, I have referred to this quote time and again. David Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, the New Testament is never interested in conduct and behavior itself. I can go further and say that the New Testament does not make an appeal for good behavior to anyone but Christian people. The New Testament is not interested as such in morality of the world. It tells us quite plainly that you can expect nothing from the world but sin, and that in its fallen condition, it is incapable of anything else. In Titus 3.3, Paul tells us that we were all once like that. Thus, there is nothing, according to the New Testament, that is so fatuous and utterly futile as to turn to such people and appeal to them to live the Christian life. The truth is... It only has one message for people like that, the message of repentance. And related to that, um, Murray Harris was writing on the topic of slavery during the New Testament era, because he's, he's raising an astute question, why didn't the New Testament writers launch a full frontal attack on the institution of slavery? In fact, they're, they, have, they have ethical exhortations to masters and slaves, so why didn't they go after eradicating it all altogether entirely? Um, there's a key principle in Harris's observation that's worth noting. This is what he writes. He says, if Christianity is viewed as basically a movement of social reform, then this silence regarding slavery is indeed surprising, if not culpable. But Christianity in its essence is concerned with the transformation of character and conduct rather than with the reformation of societal structures. Its primary focus is on individual ethics within the Christian community, rather than on corporate ethics within society at large, on interpersonal relationships rather than on social reformation through institutional change. The principal change sought 
is in the individual, and the secondary in society through transformed individuals. So it's it's through the, the New Testament's the preponderance of evidence in the New Testament is that that it's 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 through changed individuals that societies are changed. You first have to get to a changed person before you can change anything a person touches or is involved with. That is an important uh, principle, observation of the New Testament's trajectory for us to keep in mind as we think about this topic or any other of the uh, isms that wreak havoc in our world today. Thank you for joining us. A thank you to Pastor Dwayne for his observations and insight into this important topic. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.